Thanks for listening to The Vine. We're a new church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this sermon helps you in doing that. A violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's good to be with you all this morning, this Easter morning. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, This past week, my wife and I had a crash course in a subject matter that no one wants to learn about. It was about mold in your home. Uh, We had a big lesson in it this week. It started in our bathroom. We didn't know it. There was a water leak from our toilet into the behind our drywall. And before I knew it, I cut open the drywall. By the way, just let you know, if you want to expose mold to your whole home, Cut open your drywall and let it sit for about a week. Uh, It's incredibly effective. Uh, And so that's what happened for us this past week. And that could cause anyone to have some fear. My wife's about to enter her third trimester, so it was even better uh, for her. And then we had awesome friends who felt the need to tell us their horror stories of being, oh, yeah, my parents had mold. They had to move out of their house for half a year. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, we had mold. Our insurance didn't cover a cent. Oh, thank you. This is helping me. <laughs> this is great. And then, meanwhile, my wife, Jen, uh, does the, uh, the, if, the great idea of kind of calming herself, gets out her phone and just on the Google search does mold, pregnancy, complications. <laughs> just kind of, because you know the Internet's full of people saying there's no reason to worry, Right? You could pretty much like do a Google search on anything with those last two words and it would you know, just pull up lists of reasons to be. Fr- Blinking, pregnancy, complications. Uh, so we moved out of our home and uh, moved in with some friends of ours who has two, they have two wild kids so they don't have anyone choosing to stay with them for many, for many months. So I'm there, I'm trying to be the rock, I'm trying to be calm, so I, I'm over there, I'm taking a shower to rinse off all this mold, I'm just trying to chill out, I get the shampoo, I'm washing my hair, I know you're going, well, okay, this is a lot of detail, uh, get the conditioner, open up the conditioner, and I'm washing my hair, and I'm like, this, something feels odd, and I look at the conditioner that's been sitting there for like months without anyone using it, and I look at it, and it's just full of mildew and mold, <laughs> And I, I look up in the heavens and just scream, why, God, why? 
which is always, I think, probably a really weird thing to hear someone from the, the shower scream at any time in life. Uh, it's funny how the things in which we're afraid of have a, they have a tendency to have power over us. That the things in which we give our fear to have this control over our life. This is probably why, you know, JFK famously said, we have nothing to fear but. Because it's powerful. So during the season of Lent, we've been walking through this series called Soul Detox, where each week we're looking at a different toxin for our soul. These things that happen in our life that really affect our soul And we're looking at how can we cleanse ourselves from this. Like any other detox, how can we cleanse ourselves from these toxins? And this week, this final week, we're looking here on Easter at the toxin of fear. Because we know that fear is powerful. We talked about this a couple months ago, but now with with brain imaging, we can see what, what happens in our minds when we are impacted by certain emotions and thoughts. And the funny thing is what happens when we are struck with fear, all our brain activity goes back to this this small part called the amygdala, which is also known as the lizard brain, because it's the most fundamental part, the most elementary part of our brain activity. And usually it's used for three different things, anger, self-preservation, and fear. So this little lizard brain within our brain, this small little part is activated when we are impacted by fear. And what they've noticed is once someone is struck by fear and they are living in this lizard brain, it's really hard to get out of it. So fear is kind of like Velcro, where they have found that joy is really slippery, it kind of goes away quickly, fear sticks with us. And the dangerous part of this is when we are starting to live with continual fear, then all of a sudden, like the, the better, more greater brain activity, the more, more, uh, more matured uh, thought processes are hindered. So we know why this might be a spiritual problem. Because imagination, hope, all of these things are higher functioning. And so when someone lives with fear, they can get stuck there. And Easter is the way for us to remember that following Jesus is a life of hopeful imagination because you never know where God's going to show up. You never know where that might happen. If there's one word to describe the followers of Jesus at the time of his death, it was afraid. Everyone thought the story was over with. Every single one thought it was done. Not only were they afraid because of what they'd seen, but they also wondered if they were going to be the next ones killed. So what did they do? All of them scattered. They just went off. Many of them went back to their old life. They went back fishing or they went back to their old trade. And they all scattered. They were, they were scrapped with fear. And they just went on as if it that the story of Jesus never happened. Two men quietly went to uh, the, the leaders and asked to have Jesus' body so that they could bury it. And they didn't do this thinking that they would have some sort of honor. They just, they just thought it, this, is the way, this is the way to treat this friend Jesus who walked with us, whose life was ended with huge despair and loss. And then two women came Mary and Mary, they went to Jesus' tomb to prepare the body again. I think they knew if two men were in charge preparing the body, they probably did it wrong. So they went and they, uh, to take care of it. And they didn't do this because they were expecting to see that Jesus had risen. 
They didn't believe that perhaps God was, was still alive, that there's still more to the story. And I want you to, this morning to think about the Easter story and the theme of fear, because it's all throughout it. Starts off in verse 2. Uh, when they showed up to the tomb, this is what happened. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. There's a lot of reasons to be afraid right here. We have the death of their friend, possibly the Messiah. We have an angel showing up. We have an earthquake. All of this is happening, and all of these are reasons to be afraid. And I love the idea of an earthquake happening because something is shifting in the reality Something is happening that can't be undone. And you know when life takes a left-hand turn and you experience loss, if sometimes it feels like an earthquake, that the ground is shifting underneath you. But sometimes earthquakes are used by God to wake us up. And that's what happens here. In verse 5, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. Notice the first words here. Do not be afraid. Because we can get stuck with fear. And these angels are saying, there's something bigger that's happening here. Do not be afraid. Do not have fear. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he has said. Just as he has promised. But this is an unexpected promise, so they forgot it. And they continue to say, Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. I love the fact, this is kind of an aside, I love the fact that the first people to bear witness to the, the, the risenness of Christ were women. That this is the way of God. The people whose very testimony were, was discredited in that day and age. The people who were devalued. God looks at them and gives them great value. You're going to be my first witness. And this is awesome because this is also how the story began. An angel coming to the mother Mary and declaring what's going to happen. And here, these two women are the first evangelists. The first people to go. So of course we are going to be a community that believes that God loves to release women in leadership, in service, to make a difference in this world. In verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb. And I love this phrase. They were afraid, yet filled with joy. Isn't that just a, that speaks to our life, to be afraid, yet filled with joy. This mixture within our heart and our soul, we understand this. I remember when Jen and I first uh, had our, our first daughter, Dylan. We uh, were there at the hospital. We had this whole crew of people nonstop coming in and out of our room. And they said, all right, it's time for you to go wheelchair uh, Jen and Dylan out. And then I look around after the, the doors closed and poof, everyone's gone, right? And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait, where, where's the instruction manual? Do we, did the baby come with an instruction manual? Like, what? And I'm in the car, you know, like, trying to strangle the car seat down into this. It's still wobbling. I don't know how. And I just remember driving home with this mixture of fear and joy. Because you know there's no going back. You know, like there's no going back. Life is different. And that takes like great courage because it's fearful, but it's also joyful. For these women, they were confronted by this angel. And they were on this journey Fearful and joyful. They had walked through a threshold and there was no going back. 
And then verse 9, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. I love how formal the resurrected Jesus feels like he needs to be. Greetings. <laughs> they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Of course that would be their first impulse, to fall at Jesus' feet. Oh, you're alive. What was said about you is true, and they worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, verse 10, said to them, do not be afraid. Again, what does he say? Do not fear, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Jesus shows up with their half-fearful, half-joyful hearts, and he shows up on their journeys. I think too many of us, we're waiting to begin begin our journeys of faith when we're fully joyful, Like we don't have any fear in our hearts. But we see with these women that Jesus shows up for people whose hearts are muddled with fear and joy, fear and hope. This is how it happens. So do not wait for fear to not be in your mind or your heart and soul to begin your journey with Jesus. Because he shows up in that place. And perhaps the reason why God so often says, do not fear, is because God is always moving us from our comforts into this unknown adventure with him. So often that Jesus walks us through thresholds to unexpected chapters of our life. Because we know, if anything, Jesus was unexpected. It was unexpected that the Messiah would be some homeless, vagrant rabbi walking around with a bunch of misfits who were unexpected choices. They reached unexpected people who seemed really far from God. They were kicked out of the church. So why would God go to them first? This was unexpected. It was unexpected that the Savior would ride into town just days later to lay himself down. It was unexpected that he would let himself be killed. And you know what? It was unexpected that Jesus would rise again. He's telling unexpected stories. And it wasn't done just then. Here's the key. The gospel wasn't finished with Jesus' resurrection. And it wasn't finished with Jesus being worshipped by these women at his feet. The resurrection sent us confused people into service. If you guys noticed in this word from the angel and Jesus, it was do not fear. And then the very next thing was go. It was the sending. It was this fact that this risen life that you're seeing in me, now this changes who you are. You are sent. I think for many of us, we, if we were those women, we would be content just worshiping at Jesus' feet. Can we just stay here? But the love of God wasn't just complete with these two. That Jesus lifts them up and they send, he sends them out. And just a few verses later, We have something in verse 18 called the Great Commission. And this is Jesus' final words in the story from Matthew that we get in Matthew's gospel. And it says this, Then Jesus came to them. This is all uh, when all the people were together, all of the followers of Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore, go. Again, being sent out. Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, what I want you to notice in this final word from Jesus is the parentheses, 
the bookends that happens here. Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth have been given to me. This is why the grave cannot hold me down. It's because there's power that's been given to me. Unexpected, surprising power that affects this world and affects the next. And I want you to know that this power is with you always to the very end of the age. That Jesus' final words are saying, now you've seen my power demonstrated. And I want you to know, here's my call for you. I want you to go and do this. But do not forget that I'm going to be with you every single step of the way. Shouldn't that free us from fear? Shouldn't that just, just detox our heart and soul from fear of doing these things? I think many of us, if we're honest, and this is something I've noticed in my own life, I actually have faith and belief in the power of Christ, the power of Jesus. But I really, really, really struggle with believing that that power is given to me as well. Like, I'll, 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 like, I'll be courageous for who Jesus is, but when it comes to me stepping out and doing these things, I really have a hard time believing that God is with me, and that's enough. But Easter is not a story only of a risen Jesus, but it's also of a risen people. Because just verses after this, the very same men and women who scattered, who, who fled, the very same men and women who were riddled with fear and acted like the story of Jesus never even happened, days later, they hear this from Jesus, and then they turn around in just a few days, and they pour into the streets of Jerusalem, transformed by hope, they went to the very people that they were hiding from, the very people that killed Jesus, and they gathered them all, thousands of people as the audience, and they were bold. They said to them, Jesus came for you. He, you were killed him. Death couldn't stop him. God raised him from the dead. Turn to him now. He is your savior. And these doubtful, fearful people liberated from fear, they spoke these words. And on that one day, thousands of people turned to Jesus. And this whole movement began. That 2,000 years later, here we are. Because God's great idea was to take confused, fearful, doubtful people to help create his church. It's so surprising. But this is how it is with Jesus. And the same story continues with you. Ted alluded to this earlier. Last week for Easter, we met for the very first time, uh, around 30 so people. We met for the very first time with this idea of what if we were to help start a community together. And I think around those, that circle of 30 some odd people, all of us felt like imposters. <laughs> like if there anyone who to help start or create a community, it wouldn't be us. I know for Ted and I, we thought that of us as, as pastors, that maybe other people could do it. But what we find here is that what Jesus can do with people whose hearts are half filled with joy and half filled with fear, if they're willing to say yes, if they're willing to believe that God has full authority and power in this world and is with us, that incredible things can happen. Incredible things can happen. So the question is for us today, where is fear present in your life? Where, where are the chapters in your life where you walk into there 
and you become riddled with fear again. Another way to ask it is this. Where are you in this story? Are you locked in a fearful mindset thinking the story is over, not even going to the tomb? Are you at, the, at an empty tomb of your life, not sure if you believe? Are you starting your journey with a heart mixed of fear and joy? Are you at the feet of Jesus worshiping, thinking that that's probably enough? Or are you walking in this journey filled with courage by a surprising, unexpected Savior? Where are you in this story? A father took two of his sons, and he would often go on a, on a hike, and they would walk the same mountain together. And as they would walk this mountain, there would be a certain part of their trail where they would walk up to, and there was this, uh, this little fencing that said, expert only. And his father would walk his sons there and just kind of look at it, and they would keep going. And this one day happened, it was a really cold day, this one day happened where he walked his two sons to this gate and grabbed the latch, opened it up, and looked at his two sons and said, today's the day. Today's the day. I think, we're, I think we're ready to go up this mountain together. And the younger son, like typical younger sons, goes, yeah, okay, let's do it. And the older son, more calculating, goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, it seems dangerous. It seems like this today's not the ideal day. Looks at the picture, like the warning picture, and it's like a person like this with like a boulder right, right, up, right above it. And the son gets this knot in his stomach, and he thinks, I don't know if I want to do this. And the father sees this and says, all right, so here's the deal. Uh, I've, been, I've been through this trail before. I'm going to be with you, and I know you're ready. And the, the older son says, uh, I don't think I want to do that. He remembers the visitor center at the base of the mountain. And he looks at his father and says, I, th- I think I'm just going to go down to the base of the mountain. I'm not feeling great anyways. Uh, so I think I'm just going to go down there. And the father calmly looks at his son. Are you sure you don't want to do this together? He's like, yeah, I'm sure. So the son walks down the mountain, gets to the visitor center, opens up the door, and this warm air just like embraces him and brings him in. It's so nice in there, mahogany wood. There's like these TV screens showing all the different animals that you could see on the mountain. He thought to himself, I'm going to see more animals here in this room than they are going to be able to see. And uh, there's Enya playing in the background. <laughs> sail away, sail away, sail Oh, there's like a hot cocoa bar. So the son throws some marshmallows and gets his hot cocoa, sits down on the couch. It's so comfy. Sips on his hot cocoa going, I made the right decision. And then 30 minutes go by. And then an hour goes by. Fills up the hot cocoa. He's kind of getting a little tired of it. Looks at the sand, all the stupid animals again. <laughs> Why am I trying to memorize the Latin name for all these animals? There's no point of that. And then every once in a while, people would come in and out, and he would look at them. He got really tired of Inya, like we all do. <laughs> and uh, after a long time, the door opens up, and this gust of cold air comes in. And the, there he sees his father and his younger son. And there, their knuckles are bleeding. Their pants are dirtied. Their face is chapped. Their eyes are bloodshot. He knows just by looking at them that they experienced something together. And the hot cocoa, the comfy couch, the whole visitor scene seems stale 
and kind of worthless. This son missed out on a great adventure because he was locked in fear. Friends, this Easter, I want to just tell you that Jesus might be coming to you, opening up the gate, looking at you and saying, I think you're ready. I think you're ready for this adventure. And you might have a knot in your stomach about a different way to live walking through this threshold. But Jesus promises to be with you every single step of the way. So friends, start your journey, though your hearts may be filled of joy and fear. Start your journey, though you thought the story of your life might be over. Start your journey because Jesus, the surprising power of Jesus, shows up in our life and sets us free from fear. So friends, now in this silence, I just want you to just wrestle with this question right now. That question is, where do you have fear in your life? Where's the place that you might be locked into a mindset of fear? Where is the place in your life where you, uh, you're having a hard time walking to an empty tomb? Go to Christ with your honesty and say, Lord, here I am. This is where my heart is fearful. And pray that he might free you. Ask that he might set you free. Friends, do you, do you want to you know how you're detoxed from fear? It is by grabbing Jesus' hands and letting him lead you to the places of fear in your life so that he can show you that he's more powerful, he's more enduring, he's more faithful. So I just, I just want you guys just to know of this freedom. Would you stand? As we go to God in worship, I just want to... Uh, to remind you of who Jesus is one more time in a reading from Romans 8. As we just turn to God and worship, I just want you to hear these words spoken over you. This is in Romans 8. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, to daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. That's like a, just such a tender word for calling God your Father. It's like saying Daddy, Papa, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we belong to God, that we are God's children, a type of belonging that never, never has an end. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ our Lord, that is in Jesus, the one who's resurrected, that's here with you today. Friends, we have been set free from fear. Let us follow Jesus wholeheartedly.